Happy Inauguration Day! It is Wednesday, January 20th. It is approximately 2 p.m. and this is the Women's Basketball Show presented by 91.1 WMUA Sports. This program is presented by Delivery Express. Delivery Express has been serving the five college area communities since 1990. Customers can order from 85 plus restaurants through, located throughout the Pioneer Valley through their offices in Amherst, Northampton, and Springfield. More information can be found at deliveryexpress.com or by calling 413-549-0077. Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Uh, my name is Andrew Sood alongside Freeman Alfano and Lulu Kesson of the Daily Collegian and our good friend Jacob Munch of WMUA. We are all here ready to talk some UMass women's basketball ahead of their two-game series ahead of against st louis this weekend hi everybody how are we doing today doing well how are you i'm pretty good uh we all just we just got off a media availability with coach verdi and bernaya mayo who were so gracious to take the time to speak to us and the first thing that really jumped out at me guys is coach verdi and i quote was screaming at the team about boxing out and rebounding, something that the team has struggled with throughout recent games. I just want to get your reaction on that. We can keep this free flowing. Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, it's definitely been an issue in recent games. Uh, I think the biggest thing is that they really haven't played with a ton of size with, with Maeve Donnelly out of the lineup. They're two starting forwards are both under 6'3", and Sam Breen and Matty Sims. So when you have that lack of size in the front court, it's really tough to make up for it unless you have tremendous effort on every play. And I really think that's what Coach Verdi's just looking for, just tremendous effort boxing out because he knows he doesn't really have the size with the lineup he's employing right now to, to necessarily get every single rebound if they're not doing that. So I think it's understandable, but at the same time, it's it's not a huge concern considering where the team is right now. And he also knows that rebounding, it's super important, especially as we come down the stretch here in the season. And when games are close and, the, and it's a big moment, you need to make sure you grab that defensive rebound or can battle for the offensive board and get a second possession because not only are those good on the box score, but it also can really provide an emotional lift if you're getting a big board. All right. Thank you for your thoughts. Um, another thing that really came up, especially with Bernaya Mayo, she's a freshman. She's started all 11 games this season, and she's gotten she's played serious minutes this year. She spoke to us about how her bond with Destiny Philoxy has really transformed her game, and Coach Verdi was very proud, spoke very highly of her. As Freeman, you mentioned during the media She's averaging over two and a half steals per game, which is huge when you're looking at the backcourt. Oh, definitely. I mean, I think between her ability to steal the ball and Destiny's ability to draw offensive fouls, it's just a really, a really lethal backcourt in terms of in terms of defensive playmaking, which you don't really think about much with guards, just because they're so much more offensive oriented usually. But with this team, when you have a player like Sam Breen in the front court, you don't need your guards to be as offensive-oriented, which, I mean, they are. Like, they're, they're definitely both two-way players. But those two, in, in Destiny and Bernaya, they really just provide a sense of playmaking and, and competitiveness on the defensive end. That's really 
allowed this team to win so much this year. And then you've seen as Mayo's been able to get more acclimated with the team and working with Philoxy and the rest of the girls, that her numbers have started to increase. She's averaging more than a point and a half more per game than she did prior to the three-week break in mid-December, and her minutes have gone up accordingly. She's played about six minutes more since uh, 2021 started, and you're seeing more trust from Coach Verdi in her, and she's rewarding it both on the offensive and defensive ends. I think the trust that Verdi has in her also comes with her ability to handle uh, pressure on uh, just really fast, um, aggressive guards. She's been able to handle pressure, breaking presses, and also just moving the ball around even with a really tight defense. And I think that also comes with Philoxy's um, ability to kind of instill confidence in Mayo that she can handle the pressure as a freshman because Philoxy handled a lot of the ball last season. So I think kind of handing that off, handing that role off to her also meant a lot of teaching lessons. And because when you have a player like Philoxy, who's not only confident, but just absolutely willing to do whatever it takes to win, I think that just naturally makes Mayo step in and step up and want to handle the ball um, way more mature than some freshmen normally can. And Lulu, you're seeing it in the clutch time too, especially when other teams are pressing, as you mentioned. The ball has gotten into Mayo's hands. She's been able to draw fouls. And when she goes to the line late in games, she's been very clutch for the Minute Women. In the last two games alone, she's 11 for 14 at the line. And that can make a huge difference in a game. Yeah, that shows her mental toughness as well. Um, Hitting free throws in general is never easy, but it's something that you work on. But it's still always a mental battle, and her ability to knock down key three free throws late in the game, like you just mentioned, also really shows her maturity level, excuse me, as a freshman. And totally not to make the most corny uh, pun ever, speaking of handing off, uh, Destiny Philoxy still leads the country with 86 assists. And, you know, you combine an insane steals line versus an insane assist line. And then you combine that with Sydney Taylor's ability to shoot the three ball. And then you have up front, you have Maddie Sims and uh, Sam Breen. How do you fail with that starting five? I just don't see a failing formula. However, Coach Verdi has spoken a number of times about the depth issues with this team. Last time out, this no starter played less played fewer than thirty three minutes, which was a lot, you know, especially when you got games back to back. Well, and I think that's the key right there, Andrew. As you mentioned, how this starting five is a very talented group, and they're going to continue to get better as the season goes along. But it's those bench players. Who can you have that steps up? Steps up. Will it be McKenna White? Will it be Madison Lowry? Who's going to be able to provide those good minutes for them off the bench that doesn't just give the starters a break, but can also provide some value to the game and keep the game in a man- manageable situation? Yeah, I think the team really expected to get at least a scoring lift from uh, guard Des- Desiree Oliver off the bench, a-, a transfer from Temple, because she essentially came in as a former former top 100 recruit, a really highly touted scorer and, and playmaker with the ball on offense. And up to this point, she hasn't really lived up to expectations for the Minutemen, whether it's from from injuries or returning from her injury or, or whatnot. She battled that early on in the year. But uh, her inability to score this season has definitely been tough for the Minutewoman because 
they don't really have any go-to scorers off the bench. I mean, Madison Lowry can, can hit a three on the occasion. Uh, Danielle Sanderlin is still working her way into the rotation, but they really just need a go-to scorer off the bench. And hopefully Desiree can eventually get to that point, but it hasn't happened yet. And I think a key thing, or two key things in all of this is one with Sydney Taylor specifically, her three-point shooting is obviously her strong suit, but I think in the first Rhode Island game pretty early on, um, UMass kind of saw her um, make some key plays off the dribble, some layups, some and ones. So I think Sydney developing into a confident player um, outside and inside. Um, the three-point line has also helped their starting five and just kind of lift them up even more when you have a player that obviously is so consistent from the three but is not afraid to put the ball on the floor when the defense invites her to. And then with Maeve Donnelly, the tricky thing is from a player's perspective from her, she's coming off of injury. It's very difficult to get back into basketball shape. It's not like just running on a treadmill every day can prepare you for the type of stamina needed for especially the type of basketball UMass plays. And when you, she started last season, and when you see a team, a starting five, do as well as UMass is, has been doing this season, it's it's a tricky rhythm to fall back into. And I think Verdi has recognized how um, well his starting five has gelled together. And even though obviously there's moments where, um, from an audience or outside perspective, we wonder why. Um, Sam and Maddie aren't getting a little bit of rest on the bench or Maeve's not subbing in earlier than expected. Um, it's really hard to get back into that rhythm when you've been out for so long. So I think that is a key thing to note when we talk about the bench production, because um, the players that have been trying to get in and match the energy of the starting lineup so far this season have an advantage, but as seasoned as Maeve Donnelly is, it's not easy to come back from injury um, into a starting lineup that's not only consistent, but different than um, one she saw last year. It's also tough for Coach Verdi and his staff because you want to give your bench players a lot of game time experience, let them uh, get a lot of minutes playing in the games, but you also don't want to sacrifice like scoring and playing well and maintaining a lead during the game. So it really requires a tough balance for Coach Verdi. And I think his staff is still trying to find what's the perfect match between not overworking your starters, but also making sure you get that victory every night. Let's take a look at the Atlantic 10 women's basketball standings. As of right now, as of recording this show, UMass is sitting in second place at 5-1 and one in the A-10, behind only a Dayton team that has just paused their athletic activities, a team that UMass was actually supposed to play today in a battle for first place. Winner would have had it first place in the A-10. Now, it's the it's middle to late January. How concerned are you with standings right now? I mean, if I'm the minute woman, which I'm not, but at this point, I'm pretty happy with the standings. From an objective standpoint, this season really couldn't have gone much better for the minute woman outside of a, a pretty ugly URI loss earlier in the season. I mean, the, the BC loss was tough. Obviously, that wasn't in conference, but that happened in overtime. But as far as the, as the A-10 standings look, it looks really good for them at this point. Obviously, it's a shame they weren't able to play Dayton today because that game would have decided who sits atop the conference. But from the standing of the minute woman, this, this season from an A-10 perspective really couldn't have gone a lot better for them. 
Yeah, UMass looks to be in a good in a comfortable spot currently. Obviously, there's still a good amount of the season left to go. But I think the key, especially with all these starts and stoppages because of COVID-related uh, reasons, is just making sure you try to stay in a rhythm, whether it's on the practice floor or just having a string of games. I think that's really important. You look at some of the teams in the A-10, particularly St. Joseph's and St. Louis, both teams have only played four games. UMass has been fortunate enough where they've been able to stay healthy and play 11 games so far, six in conference. But I think the key throughout the rest of the season is going to be making sure you have that rhythm, you have that comfort level, and you continue to just be able to focus on basketball and not have to worry about too much else. And I know I say this a lot, but I think this also, the success in UMass in this weird season, a lot of it comes down to Verdi's patience and his win each day mentality because in reality they've been UMass has been lucky where they haven't had too much of like breakage in between like we've seen obviously St. Louis has had and other teams have kind of struggled with a lot of cancellations that put them on long, long breaks but with this UMass team I mean every player in every media conference has just said how they were prepared from the start that they didn't know what to expect other than it'd be hectic and things would change and um, UMass has really answered to the crazy enough craziness of this year in a really positive way. Um, standings, I mean, they mean something. Obviously, uh, it's a big deal. It's um, important, but from an outside perspective, they're doing well and they've been able to keep playing. And I think that's um, all they really could have asked for at the start of the season. And every historic win that they have, like we've seen with them beating Fordham for the first time in since 2010 and kind of destiny's stats and Sam's breakout season. Um, I think that those are added bonuses that could create potential greatness towards the, when we, if we're lucky enough to get into playoff play. Um, but in reality, when looking back at the whole thing, I think UMass is just incredibly grateful for the opportunity to wake up and play um, during the, during a pandemic. It's a testament to the whole Minute Women organization, the fact that like the players, the coaching staff, the managers, everyone who's involved with the team on a daily or weekly basis, the fact that they've all been able to follow all the regulations and the protocols and avoid the illnesses that other teams have had, it really is a testament to the program and a testament to their mindset that, that, that they just keep focusing one day, on a one day at a time. They know there'll be issues but they're just going to take it each day and go from there. You brought that up, actually, the whole illness thing. There was, Coach Verdi spoke about this. There was a positive test within the VCU program. One of the players had tested positive, and Verdi was obviously frightened mm -hmm. for multiple reasons. One, his players were exposed. Two, if he could not, if eventually one of his players were to test positive, that would really mess up the game plan. And three, you know, just health and safety as a whole. He spoke to us about how he had just, after that VCU game, after the news of the positive test had come back, he had sat down or met with his team, either virtually or in person, and created these various pods. You had the starting five who were in one pod, and then you had Danielle Sanderlin because they had played a great number of minutes during that game. And so they were all in one pod, you know, trying to keep them quarantined, trying to keep them healthy, and then you had everyone else. So in a sense, you're trying to 
not just limit the damage, but also prevent it, which... And then the way that Coach Verdi spoke about, okay, we know we need to mask up. Okay, we know we need to wash our hands. We know we need to um, disinfect everything twice over. You know, that sort of discipline is really something that has gotten this team to where it is now, having been able to play 11 games. I didn't get a chance to talk about this in media or ask, but um, I think from, again, from an outside perspective, it's easy to forget that these are college students and there's a lot going on in the world, even taking basketball out of it. And when you travel on a plane during a pandemic, I imagine there are natural anxieties that spike no pun intended with case numbers, but um, just like, I assume it's, it's hard for these players. And especially when it was their first trip on a plane, I think, don't quote me on that, but I think it was their first travel game via airplane. And then when they face someone that tests positive, I imagine it's, it's hard and they're back traveling again this weekend. So I think the discipline they have also comes with just the natural shock of this, this, the kind of, oh, you might face someone that might test positive, blah, blah. Like that finally came true for UMass this past weekend. And when you combine that with like, I mean, everybody's kind of scared to travel right now. And I imagine that it's difficult when it's all formed into an environment of game plan strategy. And then you have to remember hand sanitizer and you have to remember a mask. It's it's a lot for these players. And I think the biggest thing that people have been saying is talking about potential positive cases. So um, I imagine it was not easy for that that first phone call or text or just awareness that, okay, they just played against someone who did test positive. I think that's huge also because you think about, you know, this conference is called the Atlantic 10, but also that's kind of misleading because St. Louis is in the dead middle of the country and you're going to the, you're going there. That's what, off the top of my head, 1600 miles away at least, you know, that's far. And, you know, you're away from home. You're going to be isolated in your hotel rooms. This was, I think, a couple of media sessions ago. It was either, I think it was Danielle Sanderlin who was talking about having to utilize each other as part of, you know, keeping yourselves entertained, keeping yourself sane for road trips. Um, downtime on the road. She emphasized utilizing each other because... These, again, are college students. They like to go out. They like to go shopping. They like to do whatever it is college student, we college students like to do, you know, and just being stuck in your apartment, stuck in your hotel room, that's, you're just stuck with kind of yourself if you don't have your teammates. The mental strength that the players have been able to show so far and the mental strength that this season requires is really impressive and like Lulu mentioned earlier, the fact that you're on these plane rides, you don't know, like any person you see could possibly give you COVID and you know you have to follow all these restrictions, yet you still might face a team with a player who has COVID. The fact that you can be so wary of that, but at the same time be able to focus on basketball when it's basketball time, while still being a college student, the mental fortitude that requires is intense and it's been very impressive so far when we come back from this short break we will talk about the other side of the ball we'll take we'll preview this weekend's matchups against st louis don't go anywhere we'll be right back
For more than 25 years, residents in the five college area have been getting their food brought to their door by Delivery Express. Customers can order from over 85 Pioneer Valley restaurant locations. Some of the best local spots in downtown Amherst are available from the comfort of your own home using Delivery Express. Online orders can be placed at DeliveryExpress.com. Phone orders are available through their iOS app or by calling 413-549-0077. Hot Table Panini, located on Route 9 in Hadley, is just a few miles away from the UMass campus. Hot Table specializes in a variety of grilled panini sandwiches and also offers a selection of soups and salads. For over a decade, Hot Table has been serving paninis for customers all across the Pioneer Valley. Customers can order in-store or by using the Hot Table app to order for delivery. Their menu, store locations, and phone number can be found at hottable.com. Welcome back to the UMass Women's Basketball Show. Hot Table Panini. Just want to tell you about them. They're located on Route 9 in Hadley, and they've been serving the Pioneer Valley since 2007. Customers can try out the new Cranberry Turkey Club, Pumpkin Bisque, or Harvest Salad for a limited time only. Along with the Hadley location, Hot Table has has seven other stores, including two Springfield locations and two locations in Connecticut. Hot Table is open from 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. Monday through Saturday and looks forward to continuing their service of the Amherst community with specialty paninis hot off the press. More information is available at hottable.com. Well, this Friday, this Saturday, UMass will be traveling to St. Louis to take on the St. Louis Bellicans in a two-game series on the road and... Folks, what do we want to see? What do we want to see out of the Minute Women on those two games? Well, I think the biggest thing, as as Coach Verdi mentioned, uh, was was rebounding, because obviously that's a thing he emphasized in practice, and ideally the the Minute Women would like to to execute that that strategy, and as we've mentioned before, that's been somewhat of an issue for the Minute Women this season. Um, one of the, the bigger or not, not necessarily bigger, but another issue for the team has been, um, that I've noticed three point shooting at the beginning of games. They like to, sometimes they'll let up a lot of, a lot of triples in the opening quarter, but it'll sort of die down later in the game and it doesn't really affect them necessarily, but the rebounding has really been a key issue that's, that's affected them and caused some of their losses this season, especially in the in the BC game and the the URI game as well, and really just dominating the paint. And maybe we'll see some more time from Maeve Donnelly. Um, not not necessarily know if that's true based on her her standing throughout the season, but um, definitely the rebounding is is the biggest thing to look out for based on what Verdi said. And the Billikens are a team where they have five girls over or five girls six feet or taller, including uh, Brooke Flowers, who's a six-foot-five junior. And so it'll be really key for the Minute Women to make sure they can box out, uh, get up to get those boards. And if they can get quality minutes off the bench from Maeve Donnelly, like you mentioned, that would be huge. I'm not sure if I'm 100% correct on this, but um, is wasn't St. Louis the team that sent UMass home last year? 
in uh, the playoffs. And um, I just looked, and I think I think I'm correct there. Um, so obviously UMass has already played a, a lot more games than St. Louis has this season, but for St. Louis, that game's a lot, um, it's, it was closer, I guess, to now than UMass has, UMass has played a lot more games is all I'm trying to say, but obviously that, that there's, that's in the back of their mind. They ended their season last year on, on a sour note against that team. So I think I'm sure UMass is coming in hungry, um, ready to show how they've improved. And I think that hopefully that energy for UMass will um, provide them with enough to do it twice if they want to come out successful. I think they'll need to um, really uh, show a lot of fight uh, two nights in a row. And Lulu, yes, you were right. UMass did lose to St. Louis 65-52. to That was March 6th. That was one week before all of the terror with COVID hit our campus. Anyway. Um, actually, if I'll add on to that quickly, sorry. Um, when I spoke with Destiny um, a little while ago in December, she talked about how um, Coach Verdi said in the, in the St. Louis game in the playoffs, control the controllable, and that's not what they did. And Destiny said, but that's all about what this season is, is controlling the controllable. So um, it'll be interesting to see how UMass as a whole and Destiny specifically um, uses that mindset that uh, she, along with uh, Verdi, said that they didn't do last time they played this team, but is now kind of the driving force behind navigating through uh, this COVID season. And after the end of that quarterfinal loss last year, Coach Verdi said that, mentioned how St. Louis is really big and physical. And so it goes back to the point of UMass needs to make sure they match that physicality. They're on the road. They should be coming in with a chip on their shoulder after what happened last year when their season was ended at the hands of the Billikens. So they really should come in with that chip, match the physicality, match the effort that St. Louis gives. And St. Louis also has only played one game since their uh, season was put on pause due to COVID. And so they're probably trying to still shake off the rust. UMass needs to capitalize on that. They've played a lot of games, as we've mentioned. So they need to utilize that experience, utilize the physicality that they have, and try to best the Billikens that way. Um, another really big thing to look out for, too, is the, the Billikens' top guard, Siaja Harbison. I think, I think that's how you pronounce her name, who actually is under six feet, but she's averaging over 18 points a game, which is obviously wow. makes her one of the best, the best scorers in the A-10. But if the minute women can defend her any, any way like they did Anna DeWolf or all the, the plethora of, of double-digit scoring guards on VCU, they'll be, they'll be just fine because, like we've mentioned before, they have Destiny, Bernaya, and Sydney Taylor all to, all to throw guard bodies at her in the backcourt and really, and really slow her down, bring some double teams, throw some zone defense at her to, to as Verdi said, not to limit her shot attempts, but just to, to contest them and hopefully make her a lot less efficient as a scorer than she has been. You bring up efficiency in scoring. Um, last year, Siaja Herbison, and I really hope we're pronouncing her name correctly, um, she started all 32 games for the Billikens last year. She had 15.4 points per game, and she's leaped that number to over 18, which is huge between one year and then the next, and she's very clearly the leader of this team. 
I just want to look at some stats quickly before we keep going. And you had a very consistent, or a fairly consistent starting five a year ago. You had Siaja Herbins, Herb Harbison, Rachel Kent, and Kendra Wilkin in 2019 and 20. Now this year, you have, pardon me, Now, this year, you're retaining Herbison and Kent. So those are really going to be the two uh, elder stateswomen of this team. you got to remember that basketball is a team sport. You can't just focus on one player. You can't just focus on Herbison. You're going to have to look out for Rachel, as well, uh, Rachel Kent as well. Definitely. But as we, as we saw in the, um, in the Fordham game, Anna DeWolf was really just throwing up shots. I believe she had 24 shot attempts in that game. And the minute woman's ability to just throw different defenses at her and, and contest her looks and double team her totally changed the outcome of that game. It really, it really shifted it in the minute woman's favor. And obviously they had, they had a good offensive showing that game too. But I mean, if they just let Anna DeWolf do whatever she wanted that game, there is a very good chance they don't come out on top. And that's why I think the, the minute women's defense really centers around someone like Harbison, whereas obviously they want to stop Kent as well, but I think that should be their, their primary key on defense. And Harbison seems, at least this year, to really thrive on driving into the lane, getting to the basket, and then getting to the free throw line. She's attempted at least five throws in all three of her games, and she makes them at a high rate. And she hasn't had her three-point shot falling so far this season. They've only played four games, but still. And so she's probably looked to drive. And Rachel Kent is more of the three-point uh, leader for the Billikens team. So if UMass, we, Destiny Philoxy is so good at taking charges on defense, Bernaya Mayo with the steals, as we touched on earlier. So if they can disrupt Harbison, that might be able to throw off the ability to drive and kick out to Kent at the three-point line. So it's, it'll be something to watch out for. Yeah, that's a good point. I was going to say the same thing. Um, a player can be really good at driving, but it'll be interesting to see how they are when they face someone who is automatically going to take a charge like Destiny will. Now you got me curious. What's the charge? Who are the charge leaders in the country? I wonder if there's a leaderboard for that somewhere. I'm checking. NCAA has everything, I hope. If they have blocks, they should have charges, in my opinion, but so be it. Nope. Hmm. That's a shame. They don't, they don't have the charge number. I remember Jay Burnham last year kept a, a graphic ready to go for every time Keon Clergeau took a charge. That was always entertaining. I think it'll be it's a good test for the minute women to get out on the road two days or two games in three days versus the St. Louis team on the road where there's no travel in between, so they will get a little bit of an opportunity to settle in St. Louis. So it'll be good to see how they react to a little bit more of a solid schedule, assuming the games stay as is. And I think it's a good opportunity for them to capitalize on a team that hasn't played that many games and hasn't succeeded uh, as much as they would have liked in St. Louis. So I think UMass 
has to look to, I think they can get two wins this weekend. And I think that should be their goal. I, I agree. Oh. Yeah, I Sorry. think um, it can be easy with these with these back-to-backs to really let a game slip away, but Verdi has, has managed the team well this year. I think they know it's it's a really unique year, and they have to be ready, prepared, and consistent every single night. So I think two goals should be the win, but could definitely see one of them possibly slipping away if they – um, if they don't necessarily rebound or manage Harbison in one of the games, but I definitely think two wins should be the goal for the for the two game stretch. Yeah, they'll certainly be fun to watch. I'm looking forward to both, but particularly to see how UMass responds um on uh the second game. And you also see how sometimes there's this issue of uh, what we call a trap game where a team has a really tough physical game, close game with a rival like UMass did versus VCU last weekend. And then they play a team that's slightly lower down on the standings. How do you come out? Do you come out with the same tenacity and same drive that you would for one of your top rivals? I think that'll be something to watch in the first five, 10 minutes of Friday night or Friday afternoon's game. And then once they get the ball rolling, they hopefully will be good to go. You say that, but now I'm reminded of last Friday's game where it was literally a tale of three. It was literally a tale of four quarters. First quarter, all minute women all the time. Second quarter, all VCU all the time. And third quarter, all minute women all the time. It was only until the fourth quarter that things really started to mesh. So, you know, you, I, I see your point about, you know, getting the ball rolling. But then I'd like to add to that, you know, in-game adjustments are crucial. And I know Coach Verdi is one of the best in the business at in-game adjustments. Just see how much, just see the, um, the Fordham game where UMass came back from literally the grave to win that one. And I think that's something Coach Verdi wants to see in general is just more consistency and try to limit the runs that the opponent opposing team has. If you can limit those runs, keep them small, and keep your foot on the pedal offensively, it'll put you in a really great spot to succeed. I just wanted to thank my panelists, co-hosts, Lulu Kesson, Freeman Alfano, and Jacob Munch for taking the time out of the Wednesday afternoon to talk some women's basketball with me. Um, upcoming UMass schedule looks like this. January 22nd, Friday, 1 p.m. at St. Louis on NBCSN. Then Sunday at 3, also at St. Louis, that one is on ESPN+. As of right now, the next game is slated to be next Friday, the 29th, against St. Joseph. That will be at 5 p.m. Also of note, hockey will be playing this week weekend against Providence this Friday at 3 p.m. at the Mullins Center. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. For my co-hosts, Freeman Alfano, Lulu Kesson, Jacob Munch, I'm Andrew Sood saying so long. We will see you next week.